trillion population, we also need to keep our lines. We need to keep our lines into into goodness, into kindness, into empathy, into solidarity. And we need to keep that line. We need to keep and shine that light. We cannot we cannot allow ourselves to not shine that, that light. And when it seems it comes dark, step away to do something you like, paint, walk, take care of your cat, take care of your dog, spend a few a moment to 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 hear the music you like. Go outside and take some walks. Um, cook if that's that that's something you like. Uh, go and have a chat with your neighbor, your friend, your colleague. It's so important that we re-energize and re-empathize with each other and continue to link so that we can keep the, the good fights on the civilian lines and, and help. Because now it's it's... It's so important we continue this work and we continue to to hold the lines and hold the light and shine the light to everyone and special to our sisters and our brothers in Ukraine. So I will stop now. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for this space. And please to everyone who's hearing us, is waking up in Europe, is is up listening. Go ahead and donate to Maria. It's so important. It's such a just cause. Thank you. Thank you. That's very well said and very kind words. Um, Nathan Widegren, the floor is yours. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't have my hand up, but uh, I was going to mention uh, earlier that um, Anders Osland, um, not sure if you guys have discussed this recently or not, but he posted on Twitter that um, uh, Putin is going to be going in for cancer surgery shortly and is going to be putting in um, an FSB, an ex-FSB chief temporarily while he's, uh, you know, under anesthesia, I assume. Um, and it's just really interesting to me because there's also been a bunch of rumors posted by him as well um, as far as potential... Uh, like rumors of a, a coup possibly um, stirring in the Kremlin. Um, I, it's probably mostly wishful thinking on my part, but um, man, it'd be awesome if uh, this this does have something to do with a coup. It could be just, you know, who knows, uh, skin cancer surgery too, but um, it sure would be nice if, if they would take him out. I know that uh, whoever, if there was a coup, the guy, whoever took his place probably wouldn't be much better, but... Um, it sure would be nice to, to see him go. Absolutely. Um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I've yet to see any credible reports of Putin undergoing surgery for anything, much less in a, you know, announcement for cancer. I think it all gets traced back to the daily mail and I hope I offend as many Brits as possible. when I say the daily mail should not be your uh, source for media. Um, or at least all of your media. It'd be like me reading the National Enquirer in the States and wondering where Bat Boy is. They're not credible. Um, however, that news story did get picked up by more and more credible media because it is a sexy story and sexy stories sell. And um, I believe it's mostly wishful thinking at this point, as is talk of coups. Though the talk of coups actually serves a purpose because when you're a paranoid despot who's been around for 22 years and you're, you know, the second that you start to feel weak is when you start lashing out at anybody you think might be coming after you. And that's, that's a wide, uh, wide range. So, you know, keep, feel free to keep sharing that stuff. Not that Putin's <laughs> necessarily reading our Twitters, um, but it's enough to get some people a little bit nervous. 
Um, but unfortunately, I, I don't think Putin's going for surgery. If he was, we'd never hear about it. The regular Russian folks would never hear about it, and they would never announce that he has cancer because it's, it's all about it would all go against the strongman image he's tried to portray for years and years now. Yeah, that makes sense. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, uh, life's not as cool as the Jason Bourne movies, um, but sometimes it makes even less sense. Um, there's reports of explosions in Slovyansk. Um, and the morning Slovyansk came under fire, explosions occurred in several neighborhoods. Um, a number of apartment buildings and schools were damaged. Fortunately, no one was injured. Um, so Slovyansk is under rocket artillery fire again after uh, Russian forces have been unsuccessful in trying to push towards it. Daily life uh, on the front lines, I suppose. Um, somebody else is going to have to be the one that talks about the Ukrainian sanctions I'm, or not the the sanctions on Russia by the EU, and talk about getting rid of Russian oil entirely within the next six months. I'm not the guy to talk about that. All I would be doing is reading words off a screen. And frankly, if you search for new EU sanctions, you can probably read words off a screen faster than I can tell you. Um, Video of the epicenter of the oil fire in Makivka now, and then to the northeast of Donetsk in the Russian held regions. they're not having a good time. I see a guy uh, wandering around with one of those five-gallon water jugs that you would see or 20-gallon water jugs. So it uh, doesn't look like they're going to do pretty well there. Sucks to suck. Um, General Miley from the United States, uh, home of the brave and all that jazz, uh, talking about how Ukrainians are affecting, uh, are effectively using Western weapons um, due to the widespread use of high-precision munitions and drones and very effective use of air defense systems and that air anti-tank weapon systems are used most effectively, um, including javelins and laws, RPGs, variety of others. And the combination of these components has led to the Russians not achieving the excess they planned. Um, since in the, in the United States, President Biden had a, a little press conference uh, PR stunt at a at the factory that actually produces javelins, which made for some pretty entertaining pictures in the background. Um, but they, we have, as of today or a couple of days before, we've handed over five thousand javelin anti-tank systems to Ukraine <laughs> since the invasion started, and there were several more that, that were there before the invasion started. So, uh, you know, it's not a good time to be a uh, Russian uh, tank crew. Um, especially when people are looking at you with those. Let's see if we can't get a few more speakers up here. I am starting to run a little bit more on fumes, but um, hopefully uh, if you are requesting and I can't see it, then it's probably because the space is glitching and we'll, we're likely to restart in a little bit anyway. Um, beyond that, in uh, Chernihiv, uh, more Russian radars getting blown up. Um on the other side of the world, North Korea decided to launch another rocket into the ocean. Um, unfortunately, this time they didn't make such a cool video as the last one. It's just a bunch of pictures, pretty boring. Um, the IED removals and the demining operations by the Ukraine State Emergency Service continues to succeed. Uh, I haven't followed them as much. But they're doing a hell of a job. Um, during the day, uh, there was 205 separate uh, reports 
of mines and explosives and unexploded ordnance. 885 explosive devices were found, seized, and destroyed. And an area of 753 hectares was inspected. I wish I knew exactly how many uh, how many miles that is, or even kilometers, really. Um, so we continue to scroll down again. If there's comments you have, messages, please feel free to shoot them over. Um, Otherwise, uh, shoot. You know, if you guys don't uh, come up here and send messages and comment, I'm gonna have to like start playing elevator music or something here, man. You don't want that. Um. Yeah. Let's see what else. Um. Oh, that's cool. A, Ru- a Ukrainian SAM system successfully intercepting a Russian target over Zaporizhia Oblast. Pretty nifty. Um, beyond that, uh, hectare is a square of 100 by 100. Uh, wish I knew 100. You know, didn't you ever take math class? They tell you you have to set up. Um, you have to give me units, buddy. I don't know what 100 by 100 is. Sorry, a little late. We're gonna be a little goofy here. We're gonna be a little tired, but let's. Let's do, please, try and get some more people up here. The more, the merrier. Um, okay. Um, Ukrainian general staff. There are supposed to be evacuation routes um, to Zaporizhia today from Mariupol, uh, from Tokmak, and from Vaslivka. Um, it's supported by the United Nations and the International Committee of the Red Cross. Hopefully the ceasefire holds in Mariupol. There was about 125 people who were able to get evacuated either by their own power or by this evacuation corridor a couple of days ago. Then the Russians decided to blow the hell out of the plant even more, and that kind of put a dampener on the whole occasion. Um, but hopefully the more people that evacuate, the better. Um, it's not positive, but uh, oh, it's 100 by 100 meters. Well, sorry, I use, uh, I use real-world units, miles, and you know other things that I can't convert easily. So... Uh, but yeah, uh, hopefully they evacuate, uh, the sad prognosis and I'd love to be wrong. Uh, peace for you has his hand up. I'm sorry. I didn't even see that. My apologies. Right to you. Peace for Ukraine. No worries at all. It's, um, uh, by the way, I, I just listened to your update last evening, last evening for me, um, like seven or eight hours ago. I was just wondering if you don't mind just to give Small update on the Izum front. How are things going? Was there any developments in in relation to like seven or eight hours ago? Thank you. I haven't seen any major updates in the last seven, eight hours. The Izum front continues to be pretty solid. Um, Russian forces have been unable to advance uh, along major lines to the northeast of Severodonetsk in the town of Liman. Um, and Yampil, uh, Russian forces were able to take those towns fairly quickly. It appears there's continuous fighting in Yampil, or in, in Lehman, rather, to the east. And th- these are all on the other side of the Seversky Donetsk River. Russian forces blew the bridge and uh, pulled back from at least some of the small towns. They seem to have more uh, moved to fight in the town of Lehman, which is a little more urban, a little more built up, a little more defensible. Beyond that, there hasn't been any real measured Russian offensives that have taken any kind of land. Uh, the main town, Dovenke, 
a main town, a very small town, I should say, actually, along the highway to Slovyansk, uh, the main highway, has been repeatedly assaulted by Russian forces. They have repeatedly failed to take the town, uh, and Ukrainian forces have moved their defensive posture up into this really funky little valley with woods and hills and stuff. That would be a real pain in the ass for Russians to try and get through, especially with tanks. So, and meanwhile, to the north, of Izium, Ukrainian forces continue to menace Russian supply lines, and there's this almost comical area where Ukrainian forces are pushing to the east to cut out uh, Russian supply lines, and only a couple kilometers to the south, Russian forces are apparently ignoring them and trying to push to the west to, I guess, cut the offending Ukrainian supply lines. It's it's very unclear what their goal is. Um, they built a pontoon bridge to nowhere. Um, except a bunch of fields. So it, it's not ideal, um, to put it mildly, but uh, Ukrainian forces are holding the line in many cases, and there's not been any measured breakthroughs of Russian forces in that area. And even if they were to push all the way down to the cities, they would just die in the cities. These are cities that held a quarter million people before this war started. Um, to put it mildly, that's half the size of what was in Mariupol, um, and Mariupol was locked down essentially three days after the invasion started. These have been getting supplies for two months now, and they've got a bunch of uh, battle-hardened Ukrainians who would love to get some Russian blood. So it's uh, the situation remains fluid, but I'd be cautiously optimistic. That is very good news, and keep them coming. That's that. That's how we like them, indeed. Um, and Kharkiv, there is it completely free though now it's not not yet um not yet no the, the R- ukrainians continue to push russian forces away to the point where russian forces can no longer constantly bombard the city mm-hmm. but um you know it'll be another couple days or weeks before kharkiv is completely free um mm. yeah yeah from language guy oh, i feel like i have a fan here um speaking requests are not physical as a glitch i've requested several times yeah i'm not seeing anything um it's probably a glitch on my end but you know uh so yeah my apologies we'll try and get people up here the best of our abilities um uh, from no pointer um sudden check of the readiness of the armed forces in russia um standby uh, belarus oh belarus isn't doing anything i Belarus isn't doing anything. Um, but I understand why your neck cares would rise, no pointer, but Belarus isn't doing anything. I, I could go into a lot of detail, but the real short and the sweet is Belarus isn't doing anything. Oh, and good news from the U.S. The Senate is moving quickly to approve the uh, request for emergency funding for Ukraine. This is the $33 billion on top of the land lease. Um, that'd be pretty nice. Um, from Ichabar... Ichabod Funk, nice name. Where do I get most of my information from? Um, I make it up? No. Um, I get it from a bunch of Ukrainian news sources, um, some maps. Novi Narnia is good. Uh, Pravda Ukraine, not the Russian one, is good. Uh, UKR Inform is good, as is, uh, as far as the military stuff, the Institute for the Study of War, Military Land, News. And then a lot of times I just type stuff up in Russian or Ukraine, search Twitter and Telegram. Telegram's a hellhole, though, so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't hang out there any more than you have to. Okay, more glitches on speaker requests. We're probably going to have to restart the space sooner rather than later. Um, 
I like, okay, Thomas Slav was able to uh, convert it to something my dumb American brain can understand. A hectare is about the size of two and a half football stadiums. Thank you. Now I can, now I can understand it. So a hundred of those would be, um, would be a lot. Um, and happy guy, you've never spoke, but you're here every day. Well, that's kind of you. We're glad to have you. Um, the more the merrier. Uh, and then Thomas Slav, bless of her. So... If we're not able to get people in here, then that'll be unfortunate. Um, let's see. Info on sorties, because we've seen decreased uh, kills of Russian uh, aircraft, both helicopters and planes in the last couple of days. Um, maybe they're shifting to UAVs for missions that needs to be performed. I think it's a mixture of both. Um, a, Russian forces are trying to push their drones up because they want to take land, and the best way for them to do so is artillery, and the best way to use artillery is when you know what you're shooting at. But beyond that, um, they seem to be coming undone. Uh, the Russian Air Force, I suspect that while the Russian Air Force has a tremendous amount of helicopters and planes, although much less than they did two months ago, um, especially some of their more modern helicopters like the KA-52, that's the funky helicopter with two blades right on top of each other that move in different directions. Those cost a pretty penny, and they've lost at least, um, I want to say, 10 to 20% of that entire helicopter fleet that they had, which is considerable. But I suspect that the real loss here is in the Russian pilots, um, most Russian pilots do not get the same amount of airtime as you would find in Western militaries, and they've used Syria considerably as a sort of live fire testing ground. Congratulations, you graduate from the academy, go blow up some Syrians type deal, because the other the enemy forces to them in Syria do not have effective anti-air weaponry. Um, however, we've already seen the better part of 160 Russian planes down, so let's just say those were all single-seater aircraft. 160 pilots, and we know they were sending in their best at the beginning because the ones that were captured were visualized also in Syria. So I suspect they're down to the guys who are flying 10 hours a week or whatnot, or 10 hours a month, I should say, and that's not enough time. Yeah, you can take off, you can land, you can shoot at unsuspecting targets, but now in this battlefield that's awash with anti-air missiles, you've got two seconds to go, well, if it's a stinger, I'm supposed to go low and pop flares. And if it's a, um, you know, a, uh, S, if it's a um, Starstreak missile, I'm supposed to juke to the right and pop flares but do it later. And if it's an S-300, I'm supposed to put my head between my legs and kiss my ass goodbye. And you have to do all that in two seconds. I think a lot of these guys are just not combat capable, as we've seen. And that's why um, you, they're standing further from the front. Early days of the war, we saw helicopters, for instance, that would do what you would expect a helicopter to do if you ever watched Apocalypse Now. They fly overhead, they aim the gun at you, and your day becomes real bad real fast. Now, since they've all been shot down, and they do learn, um, what we've seen is the helicopters will be miles behind the front line. They'll pitch up, so they'll aim their nose at the sky. They'll fire off a barrage of rockets, and they'll pop flares and run away. And now those rockets do have to land somewhere, but now you're just using your multi-million dollar uh, helicopter as really shitty rocket artillery, and that's not effective. So that may also be part of the reason we haven't seen as many of them shot down, but uh, whenever they do get close to the front lines, they do get popped. And in fact, uh, I think there was two jets a couple days ago that got killed by stingers. Um, so that's that takes some doing. You have to be in the right place at the right time to hit a very fast moving jet with a shoulder fired rocket. Um, because jets can fly a lot higher than these guys were doing and they can fly a lot faster. So if they're at the point where 
very fast jet aircraft over a combat space are getting shot down by this, you know, a modernized version of the weapons we sold, to, we gave to the Mujahideen in the eighties, then they probably haven't learned any lessons. Okay. So I apologize. It, it continues to seem like um, we're not able to get co-hosts requests up here. We're probably going to have to restart soon. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, some stuff we could riff on regarding software-defined radio. Yeah, again, I'll put out the plug. If you speak Russian or you can understand Russian fluently and you are okay with doing translating work, maybe shoot me a DM. My DMs are open. Um, it's laborious work. It's not necessarily always fun, and uh, but it is rewarding when it comes to case, and um, you can know you're doing something well. However, if you or your family live in Russia, Belarus, or Transnistria, this is not the job for you because there are risks, and some of those risks have unfortunately been realized by people who live in those countries. Um, Nathan Weigren, with all the missile strikes Russia has been doing across Ukraine as of late, have you seen any evidence that they have accurately struck locations where arms and other supplies donated by the Allies restored? Yeah, that's happened a number of times. Um, there was one a week or two ago in Lviv, um, but beyond that, it's... Uh, you know, they're targeting everything they can. It just comes down to operational security. Well, that's pretty funny. Uh, Russian mortar strikes targeted a trench uh, where the Ukrainians put a bunch of mannequins like you would see at Coles uh, or something. Um, so uh, obviously the uh, Russians' drone capabilities are not nearly as good as they would like. Um, I name up on the trophy. I'm not seeing any requests by speakers right now. Um, I'll try and add you manually. But um, it, it may just be a glitch from the space right now. Uh, these things, especially when the space has been going on for the better part of 24 hours with different hosts, these things can happen, unfortunately. So let's see if we can get you up here. Yeah, I'm not even seeing you come up. Brother, so it's probably a glitch on my end. Yeah, I mean, shoot a message, and we'll try and uh, we'll try and get some more uh, stuff going on up here. Hey, Walter, you still there, brother? Cool, cool, cool. Um, you know, we'll need to get some more people up here. Otherwise, I'm just going to put on uh, elevator music and leave you guys to it. Um, but it is pretty funny, Chip Childers. Thank you. Let's see if there's anything else I can riff on. Um, yeah, if you want to see more of the electronic warfare side of things, there's a really great website. It's called um, RussianWarChatter.info. I suggest you take a look at it. Um, Russian military communications that we recorded over open air frequencies, and it explains some of the basics on how these things work. Um, there's some guys on uh, Twitter who you can follow, um, and they'll help you with uh, getting some work done. 
And I encourage you, again, if you speak Russian and you are in a permissive area where if somebody found out that you were actively listening to Russian military communications, it wouldn't result in uh, threats against you or your family, then shoot me a message and I will put you, I will try and put you in contact with people who can put you to use. Um, it's not for everybody. A lot of it is boring, laborious work, but the ends, when things go right, it's a good feeling. It's the only thing that makes me feel alive anymore is, uh, well, you know, getting uh, some Russian troops removed from the battlefield. Okay. Um, here's a question from Mayman Trump. Is there a better use of U.S. defense supplies to support Ukraine or better use of the U.S. defense budget? I mean, we're sending them a lot of stuff. Oh, we're sending them things that we're not really using anymore, which is frankly good because if it's just going to rust away in the field, it might as well get some Ukrainians to the front line first. Um, we're sending somewhere near $33 billion, which is finally a reasonable number for what we're doing here. It's like $5 billion is stuff that we're drawing down, so we're essentially paying for the equipment that we're then sending to them. $5 billion is in other military aid. Um, in different ways, I think there's another $3 billion through different sections. Uh, one of those $5 billion numbers is designed to allow Ukraine to take that money and buy it from other NATO allies. So I imagine that's going to help move things along as well, but the more, the merrier. Um, yeah, take it easy, Nathan Weigren. Uh, have a good night, brother. Yeah. Let's... Uh... Um... Mm. It's a little, uh, it's a little quiet right now. Unfortunately, we're having some technical difficulties, and we can't elevate people up to the top. But we would love to hear from you, so shoot me a message, and then hopefully in the next couple minutes we'll be able to restart the space and uh, keep this moving on. There's 500 of you here, and I think uh, we'd like to get more people. There. Oh, requested. There we go. We can actually get a few people up in here. Hopefully, Paul G. Uh, it's good to see those. All right, the floor is yours. Language, is that me? Yes, sir. Good morning. How are you? Keeping the dream alive, brother. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's uh, nine o'clock here, so I'm bright and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and you sound a bit tired. <laughs> just a wee bit. <laughs> um, I sent you uh, some stuff this morning, just tweeted out. Um, there was quite, you probably don't fancy covering it now, given your state of mind, but there was a quite in-depth, quite interesting um, thread from the guy that's done some modelling of like how, how he thinks the, the, the Isium access is going and, and, and the wider sort of uh, east of the country. Um, I don't know whether you've had a chance to see it, whether you had a comment. Honestly, brother, I'd, I'd have to go take a look at it. Um, let me uh, run through the DMs. Um, or if you want to summarize it for me real quick, I apologize. I mean, it's been a, it's been a bit of an evening so no far. No problem. So. I'm in the car and driving, so I'll, I'll come back on later and try and do a summary of it. Ah, Christ. No, you can't. Don't, don't leave me here, brother, because <laughs> we don't know if we'll be able to get <clears> to <throat> <that. clears throat> 
Give me a give me a second, and I'll park up and uh, I'll try and go through it. It's, it's yeah, really don't, don't don't do this while you're it's, driving. It's, don't do it while you're driving. No, 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 I'm hands free, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do that anyway. So, uh, give me uh, give me two seconds. I'll come back to you. Um, yeah, let me find the uh, here. I was able to grab it. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, and thank you. I just saw your message about helping for hosting. The more people, the merrier. That'd be great. Um, but I'm not. See, it was, the last thing I'm seeing from you is something to do with um, a uh, Strelkov, an, L, an XFSB guy, who is basically just saying that the Russian forces suck. But otherwise, I, I'm not seeing it if you've seen something. It was a tweet. It wasn't a DM. Um, but sure. um, okay. I'll, uh, I'll, um, I'll pick it up with you later on. All right. Thank you, brother. Much All appreciated. Right, take, take care. Get some sleep. Hopefully in time. Looks like we're finally able to get some people elevated here. We had a Frank Vincent for a second there. Looked like we were able to uh, see if we can shoot some invites and get some folks up here. Um, because the more the merrier, frankly. Okay. Happy guy. I don't really know the understand these messages you're sending me about. 3D printing and people in Russia and I, I just don't understand it. Um, may I have to clarify? Do we have a list uh, from Marwan Shamsia? Do we have a list of the types of howitzers being sent to Ukraine? Towed, truck towed, and self-propelled? I'm sure there's a list out there. I don't have it for you. Um, basically, in general, they're better than what Russia has. They're better than what Ukraine currently has. They sh the self-propelled ones shoot faster, further, more accurately. The toad ones shoot faster, further, and more accurately. And when you have a – it's a real simple thing is if you're going to get into a fight with somebody and you both have pistols, well, if you have a sniper rifle all of a sudden, it means you can be a little bit more safer and a little bit more accurate when you're fighting them. So that's the equivalent of what we're giving them with these uh, new artillery. Um Yes. Um, yeah, let's try and get some folks. Okay. All right. Let's see. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Russian Ministry of Defense videos. Um, yep. Of a long range, um, the Malka 203 millimeter, very long range, very heavy artillery. Um, that Russia has capacity of. I believe Ukraine also has a few of these. It's a big gun. It shoots further. It hits harder. It's not a good time to get hit. A fact sheet on U.S. security assistance for Ukraine. Thank you. Um, let's do try and get some more speakers up here, though. Oh, Frank, we finally got you up here. The floor is yours. <clears throat> hey, Language, how you doing? Um, thanks for hosting uh, this morning. Uh, 
or evening or wherever everybody's in different time zones. So it's kind of confusing. But um, my question is more about um, this May 9th, uh, uh, this buzzing around that's been going that Putin's going to de- actually do a declaration of war. What does that exactly mean as far as the resources he can access or leverage in the current conflict? And how does that differ from the kind of fallacy of the military operation status? Um, what does that mean moving forward? Is it just more pomp and circumstance and, you know, kind of uh, propagandistic garbage or is there any kind of, you know, meat to it? Can he get more conscripts involved? Can he throw the full force of the Russian military at this? Or, you know, and, and, and is he not already? And that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I guess, the question. So, yeah, just curious about that. Thank you. So it's a good question. Um, if he were to declare war, um, or mass mobilization, then he could call up reservists, he could call up, uh, there's also more things he can do with certain conscripts that can then be deployed outside of Russia in times of war. Frankly, that hasn't mattered so much because he's already sent hundreds of conscripts to death. Um, yeah, Lisa Bookwalter, I can't see your speaker request. I'm not really seeing hardly anyone's speaker request. It's a little messed up right now. Uh, but there is no credible demonstrative evidence yet that Putin intends to do this on May 9th. There's a number of evidence from the DPR and LPR territories that this they're going to continue the war after May 9th. I don't think that's going to surprise anybody. They're not all going to just say, oh, we stopped, we're suing for peace. Um, I have real concerns or real uh, questions that adding 500,000 lowly trained troops to the front, if they could even get them there in a timely fashion, would change anything. Because it's just going to, you know, I can send 2,000 people with bolt-action rifles and no training down the street, but it just takes three guys with machine guns to clear that street. So, yeah, it's it's not something you do when you're winning. Let me put it that way. And it would the amount of casualties and the amount of uh, aggravation this would cause the Russian society. He's been very clear about not inflicting mobilization so far because that's a great way to destroy your own economy. Now you're taking people out of their jobs and forcing them to go to the military. People are getting upset because now it's not just people who had to go, but it's people who shouldn't be there who are going to come back home in coffins or uh, more cremations these days, actually. And that's going to upset a lot of Russians, too. But, I mean, it's that's really the biggest thing. Everything else is just political stuff. It's just the ability to mobilize more people, frankly. Does that more or less answer the question? Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. And just one more toss one more thing at you really quick. Um, all these sort of um, fires that we're seeing and sabotage uh, happening around uh, Russia, different kind of um, uh, there's been like office buildings and sort of factories and all kinds of um, different areas. There was a lot of buzzing going around that it might have been false flag operations. And, and then there's been recently saying that there might actually be legitimate saboteurs, either Russian or Ukrainian sympathizers actually doing this kind of work. Um, what's the read on it currently as far as these sort of crazy uh you know acts of uh, sabotage that seem to be happening around russia so i said before i'll say it again extreme claims require extreme evidence or um however at this point uh, i thought it was an extreme claim before that these were acts of sabotage after the 30th or 40th of these cases i uh i can stand corrected um how much of this is sabotage? How much of this is Ivan getting drunk and dropping stuff? How much of this is just accents that were going to happen anyway, but now we're paying attention to? I don't know. But 
like a lot of these things are burning that shouldn't be burning um that wouldn't normally be burning there's some warehouses that literally only can train stuff like uh you know paper and electronic materials northwest of moscow that caught fire and burned to the ground um there's that oil depot that's burning today that that was probably hit by a missile there's you know a forest in krasnodar that's burning pretty nicely uh all kinds of things i wouldn't say it's false flags Ford false flags gets thrown around a lot. Generally, when Russia commits false flag attacks, they don't do it against military targets because then they're actually hurting themselves. They do it against civilians, especially in this case, they do it against civilians they don't really care about. Um, if suddenly you see a bunch of people in Transnistria get vaporized, um, maybe take a look at Russia. If you see a bunch of people, on, they've fired artillery shells at like a border outpost of theirs and into a field and then taken a lot of videos of it. They burned some cheap old uh, car to the ground before the war started and you accuse Ukraine of it. But that's more commonly. They, they don't burn down their whole neighborhoods um, to try and prove that Ukraine's doing something badly, if that makes sense, right? That their stuff tends to be less damaging to them on a military and economic scale um then you know a real world uh kind of conflict thanks man and uh language really appreciate your uh insights and your your kindness and your uh graciousness uh being a host for the space really enjoy listening to your insights thanks man it's very kind uh jacko aubrey be happy to ask a question please do i don't know why people aren't coming up i'm able to get some people to come up other people's I can't. Uh, it seems this is going to sound like bullshit. Um, some of the people who I follow or who are following me can come up. Uh, other people I can't even see in the space. So I know what it is. And um, happy guy. Uh, not really going to get into everything you said, but um, nobody's making 3D printed weapons in America to send to Ukraine. That's a great way to um, a get people killed. Also, you'd be breaking a number of federal laws. So I would encourage you not to do that. And uh, there's enough AKs floating around the world that actually have ammunition. Versus, if you try and go in a war with a 3D printed gun against a Russian group, they might laugh at you before they shoot you to death. But like, I'm familiar with 3D printed weapons in the U.S. and a little nine millimeter is not even going to penetrate a Russian armored vest. So um, it's an interesting concept. Um, there's guys in Myanmar who are using those to great effect in hit and run operations, but it's not going to work in uh, Ukraine. And, you know, it's not like people can set up a 3D printer in their garage and get at barrels and everything because in areas the Russians occupy where they would need to do that, the Russians are going to notice um, and then they're just going to shoot you. So it's a good, co- good idea and concept, but the execution is a little bit lacking. Um, 3D printing guns are not the solution here. I know there's metal parts, but like, you're, it's not going to do what you need it to do. Um, frankly, a knife in the dark or a Molotov cocktail is going to do a lot more, and we've seen that used in Melitopol. Um, building a while the Russians are patrolling your city, try going to all this trouble over the course of days to source the parts, kits, and equipment to make a weapon just so you can shoot one of them in the head and run away. Congratulations! Now you've killed a Russian. You've they're going to go after whoever they can find who did it. And that 3d printer in your backyard or in your garage is not exactly going to look real good when they find it. Um, especially because you're going to have to download these plans over the internet. 
and most of the internet uh, activity is currently being monitored in these occupied regions. So it's not going to be a hard thing for them to do. It's good in concept, but certainly uh, not necessarily works in reality. Um, yeah, I don't, I, mean, I, w- I would encourage you to maybe take some more information. Um, Bayrak Tar strikes dis- destroyed an arms depot and a command point on Snake Island, belonged to Russians. Cool, cool, cool. Like to see that. Um, Ukrainian SAMs destroying stuff. Um, uh, late May, somebody else from Jacko Aubrey regarding Jomini of the West saying the best case scenario would be that uh, Russia is able to um, take out, uh, you know, get down to Slovyansk and Kramatorsk. Even if they got down there, they don't have enough troops to hold these cities. They could sit on the borders and shell the hell out of them, but that's about all they can do. Russia doesn't seem to be interested in getting into any more urban combat than absolutely necessary because they suck at it. It doesn't really help them out. Uh, From Anda, um, Russia shipped 300 Ukraines from Mariupol to a town in the Far East, um, 7,000 kilometers away. Yeah, I mean, this welcome to the Gulag Archipelago. If I take your passport, I take your car, and I dump you in the ass end of Siberia, I don't need to put you in prison because how are you going to get back home, right? But I have seen a number of reports about that. Um, another one from Ichabod Fung, I have seen this as well. Generally, I come down pretty hard on the idea of things happening in Transnistria, but Russian officers are reported by the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense to having their family sent home from Transnistria. Um, something could be brewing there. How would Moldova react? Moldova is a pretty impoverished country. They don't really have a military. Um, there are still 7,500 people there between the police, the army, etc., um, who could fight. Um, Transnistrian forces are similarly incompetent. Um, if you want to see what war looked like in the 1970s, 1980s, that between two countries, that's pretty much what it would look like. Um, and I imagine then, you know, Western arms would flow in and it would be the similar situation. It, it would be a bloodbath for no discernible region. And if Ukraine really got interested, they could push into Transnistria from the north. And, I mean, literally the uh, the big arms depot that everybody's so worried about that has something like 20,000 metric tons of explosives and whatnot, even if it's a 20, kilo bo- 20 kiloton bomb that goes off, Ukraine can literally, like, hit that from two miles away, and in, in they're in their own country uh, with artillery. It, it would probably vaporize most of the town next to it. Um, you'd be looking at somewhere on the order of 1,000 dead um, probably a couple thousand injured, depending on what time of the day it was hit. But you know, keep keep an eye on that. Hopefully that doesn't happen, or hopefully Ukraine gives advance notice before it does. Um, it is a little south of the town it's in, so it wouldn't just obliterate the whole place entirely. It really depends on whether uh, how much ammo and storage and explosives are currently in there. Um, from knockers, um, a Russian soldier admits there's already more casualties than four years of Chechnya, and that many of the so uh, the elite Spetsna troops are refusing to advance and die and go back to Russia instead. Says is there a lot of casualties. Says fuck, man. There's basically more than four years of Chechnya. They're not even telling us because you know from what I see, the National Guard, the SWAT teams are returning. They're not needed. They're going because they start strikes when they don't want to go any further. All of these elite guys, these super amazing fighters, they all fucked off back to Russia. They're refusing to fight any further. It's all bullshit. A lot of cursing in Slavic countries. Um, Christy, oh, this is this is awful. From Medusa, 
Retired Russian soldiers between the ages of 40 and 60 have been summoned to draft boards and offered contracts to administer different areas of Ukraine under Russian occupation, indicating manpower shortages and long-term plans in Ukraine. Um, it seems like they're probably going to do a switcheroo, yeah. There's no reason to send a bunch of these guys, unless they're using them to go into areas that they occupy to try and pacify the civilian population, and then the groups that have been so far have been knocking heads of civilians instead of get sent to the front lines. Same thing, uh, you know, you just relieving their backup forces. Okay. A um, couple of good questions from Language Guy uh, volunteer, on regarding voluntary self-exposure to atrocities. It's important to educate yourself. It's noble to push yourself to better understand out of empathy. But as there comes a point where it's not beneficial to go too deep and you push yourself to feel all these raw emotions, people actually live through these atrocities, don't want to relive the horrible details. Um, after you've educated yourself on the horse, it's probably not useful to keep exposing yourself to negative images every day. I understand these the thought that these people have no choice to experience it. So who am I to turn away? That's survivor's guilt. Educate yourself on facts. There's many positive things you can do. Um, you know, at some point you hit a wall. I can attest to that. If you think you can't be affected, you can, you will eventually. So, you know, take a second, breathe when you can, folks. This fight is going to continue for some time, weeks, months. Probably not years. I might disagree with you there, language guy. After the hot war, tensions will remain, and Ukraine will begin the arduous task of rebuilding. As a break from the ugliness of war, we can stay engaged by learning about Ukraine literature, history, art, language. This is a longer-term commitment. To be a friend of Ukraine, we can commit to a much deeper interest in the country and its people. Um, you may, you know, Ukraine's in a month or a year and five times. No matter you've taken the time to learn. Learn a language. Uh, it's cheap. doesn't really cost you anything. Um, a buck, bo moco sound. I don't know who you are. Don't put me in your bullshit groups, please. Um, but yeah, what I would recommend if you're in the U.S., go to a library. There's a thing called Mango Languages. It'll help you out a lot. It'll get you pretty far. Um, it won't teach you to debate philosophy, but at least let you communicate with other people. Um, languages open up a lot of doors. Uh, even if you just speak a little bit, you'll usually get along pretty well with everywhere, unless you go to France because. You know, the French hate everybody, including other French speakers. So, you know, you might just be kind of, you might just be in a bad spot there. Um, yes, I've seen the report of uh, the Russian torture explaining in explicit detail what they do to POWs. I'm not going to repeat that here. You guys are so interested. You can go find it yourself. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, from Jacko, Japan in World War II fought on despite no credible path to victory until the atomic bomb. Are we being too optimistic? If Russia switches to a war fitting and fights until they completely have ammunition, how many years could they drag this war out? It wouldn't last that long. Um, there's political willpower behind it. You know, you can only push so many people to the meat grinder before the folks next in line for the meat grinder start to get a little nervous. The most likely scenario is not some Russian Revolution 2.0, but that somebody just tells Putin, hey, man, it's time to stop. And if you don't, then me and all these other guys in this room are going to kill you. Uh, you know, make a decision to go retire or they just kill him anyway. Um, we haven't gotten to that point yet, obviously. It'd be a good point to get to, not just because Putin needs to pay, but also it would likely allow for Ukraine to take more of its own territory back, specifically Crimea, than they will likely ever be able to while Putin and his ilk are in power. Um, but... War is a terrible thing, and mutual, you know, constant, mute, uh, you know, immutable war is very difficult. Um, oh, from Ben says it's not true about the French. We hate everyone except old ladies. Okay, 
Un sacré bleu. What can I say? Mon Dieu. All right. Um, let's see if we can get some more folks up in here, please. This is not the language learner show as much as it seems to be there. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to call myself in about two minutes, and then you know, I'll put on some music or something for y'all until they restart it. Axel, hopefully you can get in here, brother. I'm going to need somebody else to hold this down until Walter or somebody else who has access to that account can wake up. Um, something we really need to uh, something we really need to work on on the back end. Um, okay. To understand the concept of a frozen war, may I ask how it would be a risk if Ukraine refuses to relinquish their rightful lands? So frozen war, frozen conflicts is when you don't have the capability to fight your enemies to a degree that you want to fight them. And in before, when they said, oh, well, you know, if Ukraine, if you go back in to the Donbass territories, then Russia will invade. Well, Russia's already invaded. That genie's out of the bottle. Turns out it's not that scary as people thought it was. At this point, the political willpower among Ukrainians is very much in favor of taking back every rightful inch of Ukrainian land. Um... So I, I don't see this turning into a frozen conflict anytime soon. I, I just don't do, you know, Russia does not currently possess the capability to do so. Um, Very well said. So, fantastic. morning again. Hi there. Language apologies for the delay, but uh, it is unfortunate that I had to uh, deal with a veterinarian yet again. Sorry. So here we go. Hello. Yep, totally understandable. We're having some technical glitches with the space. It's probably worthwhile to restart it if we have somebody who has access to that account. Um, I yeah, imagine no, Walter's uh, Walter should be Walter should be able to do so shortly. And if that were to fail, uh, then uh, I think latest at the top of the hour, uh, we would restart <clears throat> and using Tornado as an alternate. But I tend to believe that this should all be doable and Walter will be able to sort it out shortly. And in the meantime, uh, I shall be glad to cover. Given the fact that you've been already entertaining, entertaining the world with uh, your good graces and a lot of uh, information. So, all righty. Yeah. Well, I'll leave you in Axel's very capable hands. Um, take care. <laughs> you guys have a good night. Um, sorry, Dib, Dib's on getting some sleep now. So, andiamo, everybody. If you if you give me a second, just in order, can you try to, just for the fun of it, can you try to cycle up OSINT and or Ferlane just once by sending them invites? Is that possible? Let me try. I've been unable to get them to come up before. Um, send some okay. invites. There's been a couple hanging out. If you guys want to, maybe if I send you the invite and then you click the button again, the lower left-hand corner will work. But it, yeah, it just give that a try. You can also do this with our friend Ben, our French friend Ben, who's just clapping and sending hearts. So let's give it a try. Send an invite to Ferlaine to also to him maybe, and try to do it from there. Sure. Sorry to bug you, mate. No, no, it's all good. We're uh, Okay, Ben, let's get him up. Um, 
So speaker invite and see if this works. I wonder if you leave the space and come back in with that. If I've sent you an invite, then it'll give you the option to join as speaker. Um, Me or you mean them? Uh, to them. So for yeah. those who are listening. So I've sent invites to all of you guys. If you want to try leaving the space and coming back in, um, maybe even closing out of your phone and then coming back in, there might be something there that works. Um, unfortunately, we, this is still very much a beta test. So thank you for putting up with us, but it doesn't appear to be working, or at least I'm not seeing any results. Democracy now I was able to see, um, but I'm not sure why the others aren't working. And Paul G is coming up, so we can get another person. It's weird. Sometimes I can see it, sometimes I can't. I don't really know what the link is. Hey, Language, there was a, an update to Twitter yesterday for, for Android. Um, I think Matrick was talking about it last night. I think it's caused some – it's broken something or it's caused a lot of problems. So if people <clears throat> update their Twitter app and then restart their phone, maybe clear caches and stuff, that, that might help. But that's just a, a thought for me. Yeah, that's yeah I actually had to restart it. Well. Yeah, I actually had to restart my phone yesterday because it broke on me. Um, both of my devices that I was using for it, it wouldn't let me get into the space. So, well, we have that's... Ben now up, by the way, language. Ben has, oh, uh, managed to fantastic. It well. did so come up. We're getting somewhere. Oh. We are getting somewhere. Well, da, 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 da. For Lane, sent you an invite. I think we could stand to have another Ukrainian voice up here. Um. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, ben, how do how are you? Did you do anything special to get up here? Did you just see a request or what? Uh, left, switched off, restarted, but nothing special. Okay. Um, when you came back into the space, did it give you an option to join as speaker, or did uh, you just? I think I was just. I was speaker already. I didn't ask for anything. It was just there. All right. Then, okay. That was, so when you came into the space, did it have a little buttons at the bottom that said, how would you like to join listener or speaker? Did you see nothing, that? Nothing. Just came see? in. That means that the invitation language, the invitation which you sent out kindly enough, when he restarted was still pre-positioned. So he immediately came up as speaker. All right. That's fantastic. We've, yes. had, we've had this once before. That is actually something uh, three, four weeks ago. We had exactly the same situation. So it seems to be something Twitterish. <laughs> so, bonjour, Ben. Comment ça va? Bonjour. Alles gut. Und dich? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a strange day. Uh, sometimes uh, our lives with kids and dogs take over, as they tend to do. And the the little things so then keep you up. That's how it is. <laughs> but in the meantime, we have, uh, um, say, the more effort to support, which is significantly grander than the individual destiny of uh, me, myself, and my pet. So, 
There you go. Is there any news, by the way, as to our French companies and how they are treating their investments in Russia? Has there any been has there been any updates on how Sokshen is uh, say dealing with his write-offs and what Auchan and people are doing? It's worse than that. There's not only no news, but I, I checked uh, a day or two ago, and there's not even a mention of this in the the economic newspapers. They're just it's a non-question. And the French talk shows, how do they react? Um, hands up, I have no idea. I don't look at those. <laughs> so you've already completely disengaged from that intellectual uh, foolhardiness. That's okay. All right. Well, then, in the meantime, whilst uh, uh, we're trying to find out as to whether we need to restart the space and uh, waiting for water to revert, a democracy, you have your hand up. democracy yeah it takes me a couple of seconds because i'm blind so i gotta wander up the thing and tap on the right thing i get uh, there I, I i had it set up it's just a matter of making sure i'm on the right button and i've heard a lot of people not account for latency and accidentally mute everybody so it's easy to do that when you're hosting or co-hosting so if you rush too much you make that mistake sometimes i i usually don't uh, because I, I have to be more cautious. I know that I can't see, as, a, as opposed to assuming that I can. Anyway, I've got something that I, I sent. It's a DM I sent, so you could post it at your leisure and, and do it whenever you want. Um, it's from Professor Timothy Snyder. It's about sadopopulism, and you were referring to that earlier. That's when you cause harm to your own people, and then you blame it on others. It's a it's a it's a real term, and Professor Snyder is an, always the excellent source. So, uh, I, I I tweeted that to the Walter Report. So I'm not tweeted; I DM'd it so that you would have access to that. Thank you very much. And can you uh, briefly highlight what uh, Mr. Snyder, or Professor Snyder, is, is alluding to? Well, the, the idea is that um, if you uh, if you've got a cult type following you can you can actually cause them harm and use that to direct their their attention and feeling for revenge on others and the fact that others may say wait a minute this was done to you by your your uh, fearless leadership um, people just will blow it off and still direct their anger as, as they're being, as they're being handled. And, uh, it's, it's, that, that's my summary of it. I'd read professor Snyder because that's his thing. And it's a great term. It's a great term. And he's always a, one of the great sources out there for disinformation and active measures and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's interesting because it, it sounds a bit like a subsection of totalitarianism where you use essentially the, the um, deprivation and harm caused to your own population to constantly project upon, uh, say, the others um, what you literally have caused to them so that you can, uh, say, foment anger and uh, create more formation, meaning more alignment amongst the population against the external other uh, enemy. And quite frankly, we just saw Amazon pull off something very similar to this in their anti-union activities. They were able to completely, overwhelmingly reverse 
uh, successful union unionizing election in their warehouse in New York City. So this this kind of thing is is done by all kinds of people. But in this case, that's that's kind of relatively. Well, I don't know what word to use. That's not the same level of intensity as you see with fascist uh, government. So I, I that's like several or a couple orders of magnitude worse. All right. I was just about to say that the typical com- uh, public, public relations and communications effort uh, of a company, for whatever reason it purports uh, to act uh, on, uh, is probably not quite comparable to that. But uh, I think I understand what, uh, say, general motive of projection you're associating with. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, there, there's, you've always got to look at the scale of these things. Like, you can look at the... F- at the 64,000 listed as accidental deaths by the Pentagon in Iraq as one thing, you can point to some of those being war crimes. But when you look at, at the, at the uh, genocide handbook, as Professor 